from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Part of the problem with that is just that we don't talk about period health enough. I understand you've begun to stock the men's rooms as well. We just decided just go for it. Let's just do it and get it in the men's room too so that everyone has access. I'm Sarah Fenske. Last month, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker signed three measures into law that aim to address period poverty. Studies show that women across the U.S. struggle to pay for the pads and tampons that help manage monthly flow. Among other things, the bills signed by Pritzker would require state universities and community colleges to stock free menstrual hygiene products. And he signed the bills at a fitting place, Southern Illinois University Edwardsville. That's because SIUE has had a robust program for a few years now aimed at period poverty. It's called the Mensi Project, and joining us today to discuss it is its project coordinator, Christy Ferguson. She's also an instructor of English and women's studies at SIUE. So Christy Ferguson, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here. So Christy, your interest in this issue all started in 2017. What happened to you then? Well, uh, my... Many, many years ago, I had been um, diagnosed with PCOS. And for anyone who has ever known about that, um, that particular issue, um, it's polycystic ovary syndrome, which means I've had a whole lot of issues. Mm. And eventually, um, I finally was able to uh, get a doctor to hear me um, and my fear of uh, of a cancer scare. And when they finally re- realized that there was a problem, they finally gave me the go ahead to get the hysterectomy. So when I got my hysterectomy, um, you know, I came back to campus in January and I had an entire drawer full of these products and a bunch at home. And I just remember thinking, you know, what am I going to do with these now? And I thought, you know what, let's just put them in the bathroom. Hmm. Let's just put them in the bathroom and give them to somebody. So I made just little makeshift bags out of Ziploc bags that day and put them in the bathrooms in my building. And from there, it just exploded. People were so excited. And, um, you know, we just, I just started making the bags and putting them up. And ever since then, it's just been this really wonderful, you know, ongoing program um, that has helped people have access to the materials that they need during this time in their life. So any woman could tell you these are not cheap. I mean, when you're going around playing Santa Claus, putting these around on on campus, there's got to be a (laughs) substantial cost with that. Uh, No, they're not cheap. And that's a big part of the problem um, because they have been heavily taxed and they, you know, I mean, even the lower end brands, you know, we're talking five to ten dollars a box for Mm -hmm. um, these products. So I actually ran it on donations. I had, you know, donations from uh, faculty and staff on campus and from people in the community and uh, I had uh, student organizations step up and gather donations multiple times a year. And all of our product bags that I make, I actually make them by hand. I'm an 
I'm uh, an artist and a craftivist, so I tend to bring my art in uh, to anything that I'm doing uh, activism-wise. And so I just started making the bags and putting them all over the place. And um, that all those materials were donated from uh, the McCoupin Art Collective in Staunton, Illinois, which is a tiny little nonprofit art school and that I'm actually a uh, part of. And the, it, it just... It's been wonderful. We haven't really had to spend anything because people have been so ready and willing to help. Wow. I mean, this is this is just amazing to hear about. And and is it the case then that the campus no longer even has vending machines? They're just counting on these these free products? So the vending machines, the the for tampons and pads came, came out of the majority of the bathrooms many years ago. I think that I was still an undergrad. It's been a long time. <laughs> um, and I remember what what happened was that they took the, them out of every bathroom except for the one bathroom, the one women's bathroom on the first floor of each building. And I don't know still to this day, I've gotten many stories. I don't know for sure what happened or why that happened. Uh, but I remember um, people being really kind of frustrated and upset about it. And now I think that those machines, the ones on the first floor still exist, hmm. but I don't I don't know if they work or if they've been filled um, because ever since I put the bags up um, and the students have been helping me keep them, keep them filled, it's been, you know, people have just been contacting me. Hey, did you know this bag is empty? Hey, can you get some more? You know, that kind of thing. So we actually heard from a listener who wrote on our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page about this very issue that you're mentioning here. She says that when she was a student on campus, um, that you had to go to this first floor if you needed these supplies. So even beyond a question of money, this was a, a question of inconvenience. Uh, Sydney Simpson oh, yeah. writes, yeah, she said it was inconvenient if you forgot to pack extra essentials. She adds, for many people, it is isn't always easy to track or plan for emergencies revolving around this topic. The Mensi Project offered a sense of support that was otherwise lacking. It's never been a luxury to have to pay extra or wonder if items will be available. And I'm glad this project brought awareness and a necessary change for the next wave of students. Um, and, and Christy, in addition to stocking women's room, I, I understand you've begun to stock the men's rooms as well. Yes. Oh, we've been... So when we first started the project, we did all of the women's and family and non-gender specific bathrooms. The problem is is that we don't have a lot of non-gender specific bathrooms yet. Um, and in, in fact, apparently only five of our buildings actually have them. Hmm. Um, so this is actually something that the Safe Zone and the, G the Gay Straight Alliance on campus um, have, a, have put in a... a uh, excuse me, uh, proposed a bill to change that so that there's more of those on campus. But until then, um, you know, it's just it's necessary for us to realize that that this is not a women's issue. It's it's a human issue. Mm -hmm. um, you know, genders don't menstruate. Humans do. So if we don't have access to, for our trans students as well, then we're not doing our due diligence to take care of the entire community on campus. So when um, so we had originally started to talk about this, you know, at, at the very beginning. And then as the as the project built um, and then COVID hit recently when I was just about to start meeting with trans students and try to see exactly what they wanted and what would be most helpful for them, then 
I had a hard time getting, uh, making those connections. So I just started doing my own research and then talking to other people who had seen these kinds of things on other campuses. And we just decided just go for it. Let's just Mm. do it and get it in the men's room too, so that everyone has access. Um, And that's why we also changed um, all our signage so that it was uh, across the board, talks about period poverty specifically, and the fact that this is a uh, human issue. Mm -hmm. Well, so in addition to this bill that I mentioned that now requires colleges to do what you've been doing and and make these products available for free, um, there's two other bills that the governor signed in Illinois related to this issue. One would require the state to apply for a waiver that allows SNAP and other direct assistance funds to be used on these products. And another requires homeless shelters to stock these projects um, if their budget is permitting. Uh, Christy, I understand you've also worked with homeless people in St. Louis. Is is there a major need for them to be able to get these kind of products? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've worked with nonprofits quite a bit in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, uh, 10, 15 years. And and any time that I'm talking with a, uh, a, a homeless individual who also menstruates, that's one of the first things that they ask for um, if you're running. If I ran a pantry um, through uh, an organization called TOCO um, on Cherokee Street, and we had I had lots of uh, regular um, customers come in, customers, but like mm-hmm. a regular um uh, clients. People coming in, yes, clients, excuse me, thank you, uh, coming in. And for many of them, that was the thing they needed. They needed um, they needed those products and they needed a clean, safe place to be able to get themselves cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we opened our bathroom to them and we had products on hand at all times. And it just, this, and it, it's that's not a new issue either. And I think that it's part of the problem with that is just that we don't talk about period health enough. We don't talk about it because we've been told not to, that it's that it's a taboo subject, that it's private, that it's something that's, you know, gross in many ways. And it just, um, the reality is, is that this is a part of the public health crisis, especially in connection to reproductive health. So so it's great to see Illinois taking these steps. Um, I know you've also been involved, as you said, with these homeless shelters in St. Louis. Is this something that you'd like to see go across the river and, and have Missouri take this on as well? Oh, absolutely. I'd like to see it everywhere. I mean, it's it, I would like to see it everywhere. I don't this is not something that people can control. It is a natural bodily function, just like going to the bathroom, just like being able to, you know, go to the bathroom in a public place. So uh, it's not something we can just shut off when we need to. So, I mean, having access to those things, if you don't have, you know, money to be able to pay for those things or uh, a way to get to a store to pay for those things or a place to take care of yourself when you have them, um, you know, that's, it, it's not just uncomfortable, but it's also, um, you know, not healthy. There are issues that can arise from having, you know, using a tampon for too long or, mm-hmm. or not keeping yourself, um, you know, uh, clean during those times. So it's, it's definitely, it, I, I would love to see it just everywhere. Well, Christy Ferguson, I want to thank you for joining us today and, and sharing about this work. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, we just 
thank you. That's all I can. I'm just, I'm really grateful. <laughs> uh, Christy, again, is an instructor of English and women's studies at SIUE. She's also a project coordinator for the Mensi Project. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.